Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to 2023 and the latest episode of the Encore podcast. Today we're trying something new and we're starting a new series which we're lovingly calling Gen X versus Millennial Mindsets. I am so excited and delighted today to have with me my daughter, Sarah Marie Doherty, and we lovingly call her SMAD, and I'm sure I'm going to slip in and out of that, so when I say SMAD, I mean Sarah Marie Doherty. And we're going to have a conversation today which is authentic and genuine and unscripted. Neither one of us really knows where this is going to go today, so we're both a little nervous actually and a little excited about it, but we were having a conversation recently about the whole doing it for Daisy philosophy and where that came from and my lacking mentality that I had around money during my childhood and where that took me throughout my life. And I just was saying to her just so sincerely that I'm fascinated and in awe of her mindset as it relates to money because Sarah Marie has one of the most abundance mindsets that I've literally ever seen or heard. And given that she was raised by me, that's actually kind of surprising. So I was curious to pick her brain and have an honest conversation about how she got to where she is as it relates to money and why it's so different. And I think it is definitely related to how she was raised, which was different than how I was raised. But it's also generational because the generation now that she's in does have a completely different mindset and priority around money. And so we were thinking about having a conversation that we wanted to share with everyone. And then just in conversation, she said, oh, I have some thoughts. And I said, I don't want to hear them. Let's wait till we're actually recording and just have this live conversation and share it with everyone. And we're thinking that if this is received well, we might continue the series about Gen X versus millennial mindsets around a number of issues. So please do feel free to give us your feedback at the end of this podcast. We're both very open and we love to just have honest conversations. So with that, I am delighted and excited today to welcome Sarah Marie Doherty. Hello, I'm very excited to be on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is pretty cool. So just a little backstory to catch up anybody who hasn't listened to my original episode, and I'll keep it very short. You can go back and listen to episode one if you like. But I grew up without a lot, and as a result of that, I felt less than, and I felt that I wasn't deserving, and I never had the things that I wanted as a child. And... That carried through my entire life with me. I was always afraid that the bubble was going to burst and that we would never have enough. And my first reaction to everything we've ever explored is how much we can't afford that. Oh, we shouldn't do that. And 
life has never failed me. So I don't know why I've continued to bring that mindset forward with me. Sorry, can I just jump in there? You will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as much as you say that, like, you always said, like, how much or we can't afford that or we can't do that, I never heard that as a child. Oh. That maybe that was a conversation you were having behind closed doors, but that was never something that was said in front of Kieran and I. Good. It was always, yeah, <laughs> you hit it well, if that was what you were thinking. But there was never a question if we wanted to do something or wanted to go somewhere. It wasn't, I, I don't want to make it sound like we were spoiled, but it wasn't a question. Like there right. was never, I never even thought about money as a child because it wasn't like, a dirty topic in the house. Like it wasn't like you were saying to us as kids, like, oh, money doesn't grow on trees or like people just give you money. Like it wasn't talked about in a negative connotation, but it wasn't ever also talked about in a way that like there was a lack of money, but it wasn't like you guys were afraid to talk about it. Like I knew that like the sports that we did were expensive, but I don't think I really understood like the grand scale of it because you guys never made it seem like it would be a problem. Like, I didn't understand why, like, I couldn't just have a leotard when I wanted a new <laughs> leotard. Like, that was just, it was just there if I wanted it. And so you did a very good job of hiding that if you were afraid that there was a lack of. And I know leotards are a lot cheaper than motocross bikes, but <laughs> I digress. So I think that's actually really interesting because I was trying to shelter you from what I experienced as a child. And sometimes, to be honest, we couldn't afford what we bought you, but we did it. Yeah. Because I wasn't going to let you feel like the little girl that I felt like that couldn't have the white leather roller skates. <laughs> when I, if you don't know, you know, go yeah. back and listen to episode one. But I never wanted you to feel that. And I didn't. And I'm happy to hear that you didn't. Now you're an adult, you can appreciate we were stretched. Like there was times when we had way too much credit card debt that I was uncomfortable with, but I was not going to let you feel those feelings ever. And I mean, we've never been in dire straits where there's been collection agencies calling us or that we couldn't make our mortgage payments or anything, but we've definitely carried more disposable debt than I was comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at a time we had a large line of credit, like you made reference to when we had to buy multiple motorcycles and a motorhome <laughs> <laughs> to support your brother's sport. Yeah. <laughs> and when we had more credit card debt than I was comfortable with, but we always, you know, persevered. And I mean, dad brought forth into this relationship an incredible money mindset, just that it just always appears when it needs to. Mm -hmm. And I was masking the insecurities that I was actually feeling inside. Fair. Yeah. So that was... I guess our approach to parenting, I was definitely thinking it. And to this day, sometimes I still think it. And then I say, shut up, Sherry, in my own head. Yeah. Because I have made a commitment to myself that I'm not bringing that forward into my encore season because I've prevailed this far and I've never been let down and we've never failed. And I mean, the worst case scenario would be at this point ever we, so we moved into a smaller house. Who cares? We literally could use a smaller house. Yes. That's a whole nother topic, <laughs> but we, that's it. Like who cares? We'd still be happy as long as it's just the four of us. We don't care. And I know that is a mature in my conscious mind, but sometimes my insecurities creep in and you know, somebody will ask us to do something and I'll think, Oh, I don't know if we should do that. But then I literally say, shut up, Sherry, yeah. inside. So, And I think there's a fine line, though, between being like, oh, let's just throw money away. And it, like, shut up, just do it. Like, money doesn't matter. And 
being so tight about your money that you don't do anything. And I think you guys are good at being like in between. Yeah. But I was also raised with like an abundance mindset, always seeing you guys work more. So dad would always say like, if we needed something, he'd be like, oh, I'll just do another DJing gig. Yeah. And so like I was raised with this perception that like money came easily because you could just pick up another DJing gig or for myself, I work part-time as a waitress. If I need more money, I just go get more money. Like I just serve pasta for a couple hours and then boom, (laughs) I have more money. And I think that's like something that my generation understands a little bit more, like more of the contractual work and that maybe we don't have traditional nine to fives, but we have, not everyone, but we have passive income streams or we have, there's different ways to make money now that didn't used to be. People can be content creators or use affiliate like marketing links. And there's just different ways to get money than I think there was in the past when it was just, you had to exchange time for money and that was the only way to do it. Whereas now, personally, I sell digital downloads that I designed three years ago and uploaded on Etsy and it took me 20 minutes to design and I'm still making income off of that while I sleep. So you didn't have those types of opportunities when you were in your 20s, you could only exchange time for money except for investments, let's say, right. so whether it be real estate, the stock market, or whatever. Right. Okay, so that's my backstory and my money mindset. So can you share your money mindset? Yeah, kind of just what I went over briefly there is that I feel like there's always enough. There will always be enough money. I have an abundance mindset, and money... I think my generation understands this a little more is just a construct. Like it's just something that was made up. It doesn't technically exist. It's just something that we trade for goods and services. And back in the day you were trading goats and now you trade digital currencies that for the most part, no one really has cash anymore. Um, But I truly believe that there is always enough and there will always be enough. And I think, especially in the last couple of years, I've really come into more financial minimalism and saving in general and different ways to save money. And one of my favorite content creators in the like financial literacy space says, if you need less things, you need less money. Right. And so if we're always being like, well, I need the next best thing or the newest thing, then you're going to need to work more in order to get money for those things. But if I don't need a new car, then I could potentially cut out, let's say 10 hours of work a week and have more of my life back. And so I think myself and my generation is finding that balance between like needing less. So you need less money. And so it's a little easier to live when you're not stretched as far. Trying to keep up with the Joneses or keep up with the Kardashians now <laughs> is like the modern day saying for that. But I feel me personally in the last couple of years, I've really come down from when I was a kid and all through my teenage years, I was obviously raised by you guys and influenced into we need the nicest things. We need the highest end things because we were masking yeah. this insecurity that you had. Yeah. And I think because I grew up with an abundance, I always had enough. I kind of got to a point where I was like, okay, I don't really need anything anymore. Like I'm done with like the material outwardly show that is money. And I'm good to just have what I have. 
Like I don't need anything else. So here's an interesting story that I hope you're okay with me sharing because it just came to mind. Kieran can cut it if I'm not, so. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. I remember specifically admiring you, and I still admire you, obviously, but I was admiring you, and this was at a different time and a different part of your mindset, but you wanted a specific Burberry purse. Oh, I loved that purse. It was a good purse. And it was something like three or $4,000. Yeah, it was excessive. Which is a lot of money for a purse. Yeah. But, I mean, we have always been tag whores, for lack of a better word. That is the perfect word. And that <laughs> is also partly, well, in all parts, my masking. And we're trying to... I mean, Dad's a good tag whore, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he loves a good brand He certainly name. does. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to grow out of that, mature out of it, but we're still on the journey for that ourselves. But you specifically wanted this Burberry purse, and you said, I'm going to find a way to get this purse. I'm going to earn the money over the summer. Yep. And you were like, that's it. You had, I think you might have been working full-time somewhere. At the time, I was working full-time at an insurance call center. I was serving at Go Italian. Yeah. And I was a scare actor at Fort Fright. Right. So I was literally like working nonstop. This yeah. was the summer after university. Okay. I was like, I was working like crazy. Right. I think you were also doing some masking at that time. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> we could do another whole episode about post-grad sad and heartache. Yeah, but post-grad <laughs> depression, post-grad breakups. So yeah, the summer after university, I was we could a, do a, whole... a shell of myself. Exactly. So you just worked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is also one of my bad habits is I don't want to deal with my feelings, so I'm just going to work some more. Yeah. I just turn up the music when I don't want to hear my own thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we digressed. At any rate, you were working really hard that summer, and you said, I, I think actually, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm just going to use all of my money or my tips maybe from tips, Go Italian yeah. to, this is not a plug for Go Italian, but it's a great place, Yeah. <laughs> um, to save up my money. And when I've saved enough tips, I'm going to go buy that purse. Yep. And you did, like by the end of that summer. Uh, I think it no, was. it was actually, I bought it the March. So I had a couple things that I wanted that I was like, I'm only buying on tips. And it was a new pair of Beats headphones. Okay. I wanted my teeth professionally whitened okay. and I wanted this Burberry purse. Okay. And the Burberry purse was the last on the list. I don't know what I was doing with my money at that time. I had more money than I needed, but I was 21 and right. I, I don't know what I was buying. Now I know what I'm buying. I have a spreadsheet that tracks every dollar that I spend. <sighs> that warms my heart. Literally. <laughs> I actually calculated everything for all of last year now that it's the new year. And it's something like I spent eight grand on food last year, which is a lot of money. It's but like a lot we of money. You're eat. a little person. I know. And that's only <laughs> half of it because like Maz pays for like the other half of the right. food. So we, and we eat at home. Yeah. So like could you imagine how much – you spend I on... Can't, I can't <laughs> and don't want to even imagine how much money we spend between grocery shopping and restaurants. That's got to be at least a good 40% of our spending. 100%. I can yeah. guarantee it. Anyways, back to the story. Back to the story. Back to the story of <laughs> spending. So the last thing that I bought was the Burberry purse, and that was your 50th birthday. I bought it on that trip. Oh, that year. When we went to New York City to see Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. And I remember buying it and I was so excited. And they, they gave us like wine and sparkling water. Oh, yeah. And, they like, treat it was like you, such a like luxury was it on experience. Fifth Avenue? Wherever. Madison yeah, they Fifth treat you great. Yes. And I was so excited and so proud of that purse. And I'm saying this in past tense because I no longer have that purse. Right. I want to get to that. Yes. So, but what's funny about that is I was living at home during that year. This was the end of March. 
I moved to Toronto at the end of April of that year. When I lived in Toronto, I was like living, I wouldn't say like above my means, but I was house poor. Like I remember there was a time I called Kieran. (laughs) I remember this. And asked him to e-transfer me $8 so I could pay my rent because I could not find a single penny to stretch any further to make my rent at the time. I was paying $18.50 for uh, a one-bedroom plus den in Mississauga so I I could live alone in the city. Like, Mississauga. Like, right. It's like not even <laughs> like I was living downtown Toronto. But a lot of mindset things changed during that time period. But, yeah, I was, like, stretched. And at the time, I was working full-time in a corporate role, and I was working at Kelsey's serving. So, right. like, I was – You've always worked hard. I was hustling. Like, Mm -hmm. there was, like, and I still couldn't find $8 Mm -hmm. to, like, pay my rent. Kiranee transferred it to me all as well, (laughs) and we've grown since then. But I remember one month I was, like, sitting in my condo, like, figuring out how I was going to pay rent. And I, like, was looking at that purse, and I was like, you idiot. Right. Like, that's two months' rent sitting right there. Right. Like, just on a purse. Like, you're so stupid. Right. And, like, (laughs) obviously – Things happen, and right. you, you like, make financial decisions, and I, I worked hard. I, de- I deserved the purse. I wanted it, but then in the long run, I was like, Jesus, I'm just staring at two <laughs> months of rent sitting on my kitchen table. It's got jean marks on it. Like, it was a purse. It's crazy for your perspective to change yeah. in those situations, and then fast forward, I did sell it. Yeah, subsequently, so I remember you, you've now gotten into the era of minimalism. Yes. And I was- I'm trying. I'm trying. And you're- <laughs> Yeah, I respect and appreciate it. And I remember you, one thing you also do is when you're done with something, you just get rid of it. And it drives me crazy, to be honest. Fair. Because I have clothes from 10 years and five sizes ago that I won't get rid of. Yeah. And I think, well, if I'm ever that size again... I want those clothes. But you're not going to because they're going to be 10 years old at that point. But they were nice and they're expensive and I don't want to have to rebuy them. And what if I don't have the money at the time, said my old lacking mentality. Yeah. But you literally, I see you all the time giving things away and it makes me insane because also your size hasn't changed. So you just, you don't like it anymore. You don't see yourself wearing it anymore. You just give it away and you'll buy some more. And I respect your money mindset, but you just assume you'll have more money to buy more things when your tastes change again. Yeah, fair enough. And like you said, I have been the same size for a long time. So I'm very fortunate to I do still have clothes from like grade 10 I know that I still wear and I'm like well it still works like it's an Under Armour long sleeve why would I get rid of this like there's nothing wrong with it but I think little trends that I bought into over the last couple years or in the pandemic or whatever that I'm like I'm not gonna wear this or like I went through a phase in university where I was wearing like dress clothes to the bar like I don't know why right I was trying to be older than I am but like why do I need 12 Tommy Hilfiger dress shirts that I, I work from home in leggings now. Like, I don't... What if you get a corporate job again? Which I doubt you will. What, but if you ever got a corporate job again, wouldn't you need those? I probably wouldn't be wearing these Tommy Hilfiger shirts anyways. Right. And I think I'm now more... And this is something I'm struggling with personally, to be honest. Now that I am getting into this era of being more minimal and more, honestly, environmentally conscious about my consumption the fact that I own a clothing store pisses me off oh okay let's unpack that (laughs) yeah (laughs) I feel like that's like something to unpack fully for another time but I feel like a hypocrite 
not buying things because I know that it's damaging the earth and right. then selling things to other people. Right. And so I struggle with that. Okay. And that I have so little for, not that I have so little, but like I so little consume for myself, but then I'm pushing other people to consume. Right. And so that is something that I struggle with, with my like personal morals versus my business morals. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I know that you started your vintage arm. Yes. To address a little bit of that. And there's maybe just a different journey or path. And one of our future episodes will be environmental mindsets yes. from my generation versus yours. Yeah. So just to wrap up the original story, you did come along and say you were going to sell this purse. And I oh, said, yeah. <laughs> are you crazy? You worked so hard to get that. It's a beautiful, timeless purse that, you know, you worked so hard for. Why wouldn't you just keep that piece forever now that you have it? And you were like, meh, I'm done with it. <laughs> honestly I do regret selling it oh do you I do yeah like okay. it is something I do regret now I sold it in the pandemic when I was just kind of we had just moved I had moved in with Maz and we were kind of purging some stuff and I thought like where do I go anymore right. like, and at the time like there was no end in sight for like when am I going to need this luxury bag right. again and now I'm like I could I, I miss that bag. Yeah. Like that is, I'll, I'll be honest, that is one thing that I do regret selling. And I sold it for maybe one fourth of what I bought it for. Right. That being said, something that I do address when I'm buying something is I like to work out the like cost for the value. Yeah. So when I'm buying, let's say an everyday piece of clothing, I can only really justify it if I know I can get it down to basically $1 per wear. Right. So like a couple weeks ago, I bought a pair of new like yoga pants from Aerie. They were $30. Okay. You've seen me wear You'll them. You wear them more than 30 like times. Like 12 times already. I think already. I've already seen you wear them 30 times. They're a beautiful color. Yeah. <laughs> they're like a camel. Yeah, nice. they're beautiful. <laughs> but if I can justify, they were 30 bucks, getting them down to a dollar per wear. Right. Which I will. Yes. Then that makes sense to me. That's, That's right. like an easy purchase. Yeah, makes Whereas sense. Whereas now with more like luxury pieces, even with like the Burberry purse, I had it for three years. I carried it every day. Right. So like you did I get a per I use. got it down to like a good value. So it like, it helps me justify it in that capacity. But I do, I do miss the item. That is something that I like do regret selling. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a couple of other stray thoughts as you've been talking that I want to get to. You, I'm curious if you developed the mindset you did because you didn't experience not having and Probably. I don't know that you have ever or will ever, to be honest, you're on an amazing secure trajectory, will ever experience lacking or being the kid who couldn't have the thing. Um, so I'm happy that I accomplished that for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm curious about that. And do you ever worry about not being able to provide or is it just no. not part of your thought process? It it's not something that really ever crosses my mind that I won't be able to pay a bill or I won't be able to provide for my family one day. Like I was saying earlier, I genuinely just believe that money is abundant and there's like, you could go on Indeed right now and see thousands of jobs You're of right. people looking to hire people. So yep. if I needed more money, then I could work as a person at home answering customer service calls for Bell. Right. Or I could design more digital downloads or yeah. walk dogs or like there is a constant flow of money 
traveling through the universe and it can stop at me. There's no reason why it can't come my way. So no, it's not something I've ever thought about. But when I do have children, the same general idea that if they need less, I'll need less money. Right. So they don't necessarily, it just like, it gets a little bit into the environmental conversation and like we can do that full thing another time for sure. But like my kids don't need thousands of toys, big flashy items that are just going to get thrown out and thrown in a landfill. Right. And so when you like look at things with the perspective of it's just an item, like I'd rather give my kid like an experience and Mm -hmm. like pay for them to like have a trampoline or something rather than just something, some nonsense item that's just going to throw, get thrown out. Because think about like the cost per use of our trampoline when I was a kid. Right. Like we got, that thing was paying for itself. Absolutely. Like by the time, like we got like the highest end, nicest trampoline, it was probably what, like $2,000. Like it was like, it was expensive because it was one that I could train on basically for gymnastics. But that trampoline could like, could never, uh, sorry, a toy or something. Right. Could never entertain me something the way that trampoline did. Oh, the first day we got it, you and your best friend at the time jumped on it for 18 hours. Exactly. I had to beg you to come in to have a freezy <laughs> or anything. Literally. But you're right. I mean, because also then you, it was something active and healthy for you to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were building a relationship with that friend as well and keeping you healthy and fit and learning your skills. Yeah. So that was definitely money well spent versus... I bought Kieran every Teletubby that there exactly. was, which were plastic things that are somewhere now rotting in a landfill. Literally, they're just floating in the ocean. Right, somewhere, just, which is super sad. I know. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. we'll move on from that. Again, I, I don't know how the environmental conversation gets so intertwined with the financial conversation when it but comes it to millennials. But I think, like, our generation and Gen Z specifically is having very much like a – spiritual or financial awakening when it comes to consumerism Mm -hmm. and that we just don't need as much. And maybe it's because we were raised by this generation who didn't have enough when you guys were raised by post-war era that you over-consumed for our lifetime. And now we're like, holy shit, like we just don't need all of these things. Like where is this all going to go? So I think like the lack that you're – I'm not saying your parents specifically, but your generation's parents had that fed into your generation, then over-consumed for our generation, and now it's just like a wave pattern. So maybe my kids will feel like they didn't have enough, so they'll over-consume for their kids. Maybe, yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I think the, the financial consumption conversation is very intertwined with what we're seeing environmentally. Right. Very interesting. And I don't even, like, consider myself, like, a crazy environmentalist, which it's sounding like I do, but I saw <laughs> Wally a couple years ago. Right. And it really messed me up. I remember that. Like, it, like Disney did a good job with that movie. Well, they were trying to get a message across, and, and they, they did, did it. it. That's good. Wally and the Lorax have just really <laughs> messed me up and changed me as a human being. I think for the better, though. The Lorax is a great movie. So... What I'm thinking about is I want to talk about the value of time versus work kind of thing. So I felt as you were growing up in my whole life, I had to work, just work, make money, be able to provide for my family. And as a result, I always had guilty working mom syndrome. 
I feel like you still have that. Not anymore. Like <laughs> no, guys, but like about, about our childhood. Yes, yeah. I think, I wonder, should I have been the mom that was cooking muffins for the classroom versus being in Miami in a boardroom? I mean, the Miami one sounds It was like a nice boardroom, yeah. however, you know, or should I have picked you up every day after school and listened to you tell me about your day as opposed to having a babysitter do that? I still wonder. Obviously, you guys are completely healthy and productive human beings yeah. and you're amazing people, so I didn't mess you up that bad. But I do wonder. I mean, and then maybe, my ans- maybe you'd be maybe, different people. But, but then my answer to that was, oh, well, I'll just buy you a toy on the weekend, which is so wrong. Yeah, it's so wrong. But you know, yeah. But because mommy works so hard, I can buy you this nice toy on the weekend, and you'll forget I wasn't there after school on Tuesday. Exactly. Like I really think about that kind of stuff, and I don't think you're going to do that. I think you're going to find some kind of you and your generation finds a better balance of just, you know, my generation worked for a company, killed ourselves for 25 years, collected a pension, worked our way up the corporate ladder, and you you and your generation, if it's not working for you, you're going to move on. Yeah. And you're <laughs> going to find something that does work for you and your family at the time. And I think there needs to be, because I do have some thoughts on that, but I think there needs to be a fine balance because... Not you specifically, <laughs> but some of your generation isn't perceived by my generation to be as hardworking as they could be or we were. And sorry, being let careful. me just yeah, <laughs> let me cut in for a second. That's going to be the same with every generation. There's going to be people who work hard and some people who don't. I think the perception of my generation comes from the fact that we can work from home in our pajamas. Right. In bed. Yeah. And like, so it's perceived as lazy, but maybe I've just signed a contract for like a million, I don't do that kind of thing, but a million dollar deal. I just happened to do it from my bed while I took a lunch break to feed my kids. Right. So I think work has changed. Okay. Fair. And so it can be perceived differently. I'm not saying that people aren't lazy, but there's going to be lazy people across every single generation. Fair. There is and always have been. I guess those are generalized statements. But I think that also my generation valued money and things and worked too hard to our detriment because ultimately it was thankless for most people. You know, we've learned that there's no loyalty to corporations and we've learned that maybe that wasn't a way to spend our life. And so we can learn something from yours. I think there's a middle ground. Sure. I I definitely think there's a middle ground as well. I just personally, and I know a lot of people in my generation as well, can't picture myself working for the same company for the rest of my life. Like I know that personally I will be a serial entrepreneur. I'm going to do a million different things and have a million different lifetimes in this lifespan that I live. Like I'm 27. Yeah. And I've already done so many different careers and been so many different people. And I don't think it's put me back by any means. No, because honestly, by the time, well, I was finished my, call it, previous careers, corporate careers, I worked for two companies. Yeah. So I worked for one company for seven years, I want to say. And then I worked for 22 years for the other company. And now I do what I do as an entrepreneur, which is amazing, but two companies. And I think that you've already done more diverse things than I did by 27. I've never worked for a company either than for myself now for more than a year. Right. Fully. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that's a good thing by any means. Like, I think there's like a person, like 
I could say that and it could sound like I'm saying like, oh, this is a good thing that I like career hop. But I think maybe just because I went to school so young or the way that we were raised was like, just try a million things until one sticks. Right. And if it doesn't stick, just move on. Right. Like Which is also partly what we wish we did. Yeah. We preached a lot of things we didn't do. Sure. I mean, we all preach a lot of things we don't right. do. So that actually takes me to a nice segue about you being self-employed and the benefits of a corporate life the way we did it is one of the other things that I admire about you is because you're self-employed, you don't have a pension. No. You're not getting any company contributing to a pension for you. And I know you're already contributing to your own retirement fund, which is so admirable. And I wish that I started contributing to my retirement at your age. Things would be very different right now. And you don't, like, it doesn't scare you. And you contribute a significant amount of money, actually, on a monthly or weekly basis, direct into already, I don't know if it's a TFSA or a RSP or whatnot, but you've been doing that, what, since you were 25? Yeah, I think it's been about uh, almost two years now. I think I set it up at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. And I w knowing that, I wish I started sooner. <sighs> like, I wish that, and this is nothing against you guys, I just wish that either the education system or my parents had taught me more about being financially savvy rather than just like economics. Like right. taking a general economics course didn't help me at all. There was no home ec at my high school. Like I didn't learn anything financially. I learned what an RSP was like two and a half years ago. Right. And then I opened one. And like, <laughs> so, but I wish I had known from 18 when I opened right. or 16 when I opened a bank account that even at the time, $10 could go away right. once a week. Like and compounding and interest, compound interest is magical. I know I would own a house right now if I had started at 16. I know, but I don't. Um, <laughs> you should meet a realtor. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if you know one. But I wish I had started earlier. So it's funny you saying and knowing that you're also in a good financial space now that like you wish you had started. Oh earlier. my goodness, and absolutely. I think there's always going to be like, oh, I should have, I should have started yesterday, mm -hmm. I should have not done this. But I am very fortunate that, yeah, I do have these accounts set up now and in investments set up that I will be okay in the future. But, yeah, I, I don't have a traditional pension. But even if I worked for a corporate job, and this might be a controversial thing to say, I don't think there'd be anything left for me anyways. Well, the issue is like, you're not going to be able to rely on Canada Pension That's plan what I'm saying. it's going like, to be bankrupt by the time you get there. I'll be lucky if I get any. Even if I invest in it, right. I'm not getting any of it. <laughs> so I might as well just do an independent pension. Right. But like even I, I could use insurance and that's not something I have. My teeth are killing me. <laughs> like I desperately need to go to the dentist. So well, but that we is, do know people who could hit, hit you up with a program for that. Yeah. Also, one day you're going to be a military partner, so exactly. you'll have benefits, as so hold out. As soon as this man gets a full-time contract, I am sprinting to the dentist. So That's I do – it does help that I've found my partner and know that there will be some sort of safety net. Like a stable – Like a stable government-like yeah. job yep. with him being in the military. And I think if maybe we were both full-time entrepreneurs, it might be a little bit more scary. But I think with entrepreneurship as well, there's no salary cap. Right. Like I can make as much or as little money as I want to. Of course, there's going to be like factors of – oh, I need to get clients or I need to have product or supply chain or whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like, if I want to sell more T-shirts, 
also more t-shirts. Like that's how I would make money. You also though, like, I don't know if this is the right words, but like, you're not too proud to say like, no, nah, I'm just going to serve because yeah. serving is quick cash. Oh, literally. And there's a lot of people who are like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And I love your hustle and I love that you do silly things like you made reference to earlier about being a scare actress at a Halloween haunt. That was fun. That was really fun. <laughs> and you know, you made some cash and so you'll just pretty much do whatever it takes, but also like not to the detriment of your relationships or your health or burning yourself out because you have an incredible balance and an incredible money mindset. Yeah. I would never take a serving job that would have me working past 10 PM. Like yeah. it's just like not happening. Well, first of all, you couldn't stay awake that late. No, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, but that all being said, I know that my ego is something that I need to work on when it comes to that. Because whenever people ask me, even when I'm serving, like, oh, like, do you, do you serve here? Like, how often do you work? I always say like, oh no, I, I own my own business. Like this right. is just, and I don't know why I need, feel like I need to justify yeah. serving yeah. because it is a fantastic job and it's an incredible industry to be in. And I'm awesome at it. Like I'm like I'm I'm not gonna be humble about <laughs> no, you that. Are I have good at I have great service. customer service, and that's because I've had a million jobs and been trained by a million different people, including Disney. The, mm -hmm. the mouse himself will give you the best customer service experience. But I don't know why I feel like I have to justify my actions when I don't have to prove to anyone what my financial situation is. Right. But that is a hurdle that I know I have to overcome myself and not just jump to, oh, no, this is just my part-time job. Like, I right. have other things. Yeah. And so I know that's something that I'm working towards getting better with. Well, thank you for being honest. That's, like, sincere, and I appreciate that. We're all on a journey of evolution, as you know, and yeah. we all have our things that we struggle with. But I think that's great. I think we should wrap it up from there. Do you have any closing thoughts or anything that we didn't touch on at all you wanted to chat about? I would ask you from a millennial to, what, what are you? Gen X. Gen X. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the one piece of advice you would give someone my age looking back on everything? For sure, it would be about the investing in your retirement now. Okay. And I know you're already doing that, so that's fantastic, but I... So wish that I had started even $10 a week at 21 mm -hmm. because compounded interest is magical. I also, what I've learned through my recent journey in the last couple of years is your identity is not what you do for a living. Yeah. And I, I learned that through an identity crisis. I just preach. And you, you watched it. So <laughs> I mean, I had know. my own. I get, I get it completely. Yeah. So I think that you, you know, can't be Sherry from this company or SMAD from that company. You just need to be Sherry or SMAD yeah. and be happy with who you are because those things can be gone in a flash and you need to have lots of income streams to support your life. It was funny I remember, I don't know, five or six years ago, dad and I had a good solid four to five income streams between our side businesses and our full-time careers. And I remember joking, saying, oh my goodness, could you imagine if they all went away one day, like we'd be in big trouble. <laughs> and then they did. And then they did, except, <laughs> except for dad. Except for dad. So <laughs> who would have thought Terry Doherty would be the stable one in He's this He's a family? rock. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was weird because when the pandemic hit and our 
businesses, including his DJing business, wrapped up during the pandemic. You know, we didn't have our cheer company, and I didn't have my corporate career, and there was no DJing, and I was just reinventing myself. When you think, oh, I have five steady income streams, and then you have one, you're like, oh, <laughs> you take a moment and go, wow, that really could happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that would be my thoughts and advice that I would share. Another question for you, and okay. I know we touched on this recently as a family, just in conversation. What is the number one thing that you regret purchasing in your life? Probably. The dirt bikes? <laughs> no. Uh, probably our Mercedes. Okay. Because it's very unnecessary. A lot of unnecessary things we bought on your 50th birthday, it uh, seems. Well, That's there was a, a lot going on that year, remember? <laughs> that was the year of change for both Karen and I. Yeah. And there was a lot of change happening. So, we so you were, were like, I need to buy a Mercedes. I need to buy a Mercedes <laughs> to prove to the world I'm still good. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, I mean, it's lovely to have a luxury car, and I really enjoy it. And yes, I had turned 50, and I thought, you know, if not now, when? to have sign of this great looking car. What I've subsequently learned is we should never have bought it brand new. You could have got the exact same flashy, good looking car that was two years old that somebody else would have paid for depreciation on. Yeah. And that would have been a smarter Daisy decision. That being said, I also brought a brand new car this year. You so did. I can't say that I've learned from that mistake, but it is good to know for the future. Yeah, absolutely. But those, I mean, now I'm going to have a nice wrap, actually. Those are the kind of future decisions Daisy makes. Yeah. And as you know, I'm on a journey to try and do it for Daisy, which is the principle and the theme of this entire podcast. So that said, I would like to invite our listeners to give us some feedback and let us know what you think of this conversation, Gen X versus Millennial. And I really appreciate you sharing so honestly. And I love that we actually have never had this full conversation unrecorded. So this is sincerely authentic. And I uh, wish you and everyone else an amazing day and an amazing 2023. Thank you for having me. Thank you.